Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. Uh, in our in our text this morning and in our message, we are going to talk about uh, the unfortunate uh, nickname that he got. We're going to talk about Doubting Thomas, and I think. Uh, Thomas gets a bad rap for uh, being known as Doubting Thomas, as if we don't all have moments of doubt in our lives when, uh, you know, our faith is tested or when things are hard or when pain is great. Uh, sometimes we all doubt. And I think in Thomas's case, it was, it was fear had set in and fear will drive us to doubt. And the fact that he was the one that demanded the proof uh, from Jesus about being able to see the wounds and put his finger in the wounds. And if he didn't get that, then he wouldn't ever believe. And so he gets that unfortunate uh, nickname, Doubting Thomas. But, you know, all of us can be Doubting Thomases at times. So we'll try to unravel that a little bit in the message. And it, um, I've, I heard the band yesterday. I heard uh, the band practice this morning. So if the message makes you fall asleep, they will keep you awake. So we've got a backup plan for everything around here. Mike Howard is leading our worship band today, and we're, we're thankful for that. Um, a few announcements before we, we begin worship this morning. Uh, Pastor Aaron is starting a new member class this Wednesday. Um, as always, um, I will refer you to your bulletin for times and places. I believe it's at 630 um, at FMC. It could be 7 o'clock, but check that out. Um, if you're interested in that and in, in, uh, learning more about your faith or relearning about your faith. Um, Pastor Dan on April 22nd is doing a seminar on the secret of contentment. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all situations. Um, I'm gone that day and I asked him to send me the secret of contentment because I'd like to know and he wouldn't do that. So you need to be there if you want to hear what he has to say. Um, this is not in your bulletin, so I'm going to give you as much information as I can. We have congregational forums uh, April 29th, April 30th, and May 1st um, for our congregational meeting, which takes place on May 15th. And that just kind of gathers information about what you think about different ministries. Now, times and dates are forthcoming with that in places, so we don't have those in your bulletins to read yet. So... I can't, I can't just uh, kick you off to the bulletin. Um, our, our third week offering is for the comfort dog. Again, I believe we did her last week, to, or I'm sorry, last month. She was, Hagar was our third week offering. So we're going to do that two months in a row. So as you consider your offering this week, um, your, your loose change or however that works will go to the comfort dog ministry, which I mean, she is such a blessing here and she doesn't say a word kind of makes you think about how often we are, how much we should say in a sermon, huh? Um, May 29th here at CLS is an open house. Again, make sure you check your bulletins uh, for times and places. And uh, I gave you the date. Okay, that is all the logistical things I have. So I invite you as you're able to rise for our call to worship. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Alleluia. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad. Jesus Christ is the gate of the Lord through which believers may enter God's presence. Alone is the way, the truth, and the life. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The lamb who once was slain has burst his three-day prison. Satan is undone. Now death's dread power is gone. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Alleluia.
Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Praise God for loving us so much that he gave his son over to be crucified to pay for our debt of sin. Praise God that on the third day, Jesus rose again and declared victory over death. Praise God 
that he has given us a path to eternal life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Even though we continue to celebrate the victory won on Easter, our hearts remain corrupt and our sinful temptations continue to draw us away from doing the Lord's will. Let us now gather again at the foot of the cross and confess our sins before we participate in the Lord's Supper. Almighty God, we come to you and repent for things done and things left undone. We are sorry for ignoring your truth, for becoming distracted with the things of this world and giving in to temptation. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For fixating on the things of this world and losing sight of your eternal kingdom. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For pursuing earthly power and influence over others instead of submitting to your will and following the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For allowing our fears and anxieties to undermine our trust in you. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us for overlooking your extravagant love for us and letting the approval and acceptance of others motivate our decisions and self-worth. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. One of the great things about being here in worship is that we do get to lay our burdens and our sinfulness at the foot of the cross, things that we can't make right no matter how hard we try. And that is the beauty of the gospel. And I think if we learned anything last week over the suffering and the pain that Jesus endured for our sake, it's that we, that's why we call it Good Friday. It doesn't seem like a lot of good happened. Not good for Jesus, but great for us because we cannot help ourselves, God, has given us mercy. And because he has heard our confession as one of your pastors, more importantly, as a fellow sinner, I announce to all of you that upon our confession, God has forgiven you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. But he brought me in oh, his love for me oh, his love for me Just
Can we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, sometimes our faith becomes weak. The pains and the brokenness of this world drive us to doubt, drive us to wonder. But in those times, Lord, we ask you to lift us up and give us strength. Our faith isn't perfect because we're sinners, Lord, but you are always faithful. And we just ask you to walk with us each step of the way through the pains of life and into eternity. In the name of your risen son, Jesus, amen. And our first reading from this, for this morning comes from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And I invite you as you are able to rise for our gospel reading, which comes from John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, 
which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Please be seated. I was gonna start this message by saying uh, this was the last of the five-star generals, but I'm making reference to General Douglas MacArthur. He was in fact not the last five-star general. It was U.S. Army General Omar Bradley, whose five-star status was retired in 1981. So I need to be careful to get my facts straight. But after advancing by island across the Pacific Ocean, U.S. Douglas MacArthur wades ashore to the Philippines saying, I have returned, fulfilling his promise to return after he fled. He was, General Douglas MacArthur was in U.S. command of the Philippine Islands during World War II. And when the forces, the Japanese forces came to the island of Corregidor and seemed like they were gonna overtake the island, President Franklin Roosevelt in 1942 ordered General MacArthur to leave, to take his family and leave that island. So he got, before leaving the island, he made this promise to his men. Over 90,000 Filipino and American troops were left there to fend off the Japanese army, which they would be unsuccessful doing. But he promised to them, I will return. And he would repeat it during the next two and a half years in about every public appearance that he would make. I will go back. I will return. And then after the Allies started gaining power and gaining ground in the war and they started it looked like they were going to be able to retake the islands of the philippines in 1944 douglas macarthur wades back ashore onto the philippine island of Leyte and says i have returned a promise that not many people i'm sure thought he was going to be able to keep and we're certain that our forces weren't gonna be able to make that possible. Now, most of those men that he left there were lost and weren't able to fight off the army. And when he got back, he said, yes, I'm a little late, but I told them and we finally came. I finally returned. I will return. I have returned. Powerful promises indeed. Well, let me greet you with grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now, Jesus had made the same promises to his disciples, and yes, under very, very different circumstances. He also returned to them under very, very different circumstances. Now, I don't have any doubt that lots of people didn't believe General MacArthur was gonna be able to return to the island. He had to flee. Or that our forces would even be successful enough to make that possible. 
The disciples, now, you got to think about how they're feeling. Jesus didn't leave them. He didn't flee to an island. He wasn't carried away by a boat. He died a horrific, painful, agonizing death that the disciples stood there and witnessed. Being associated with him, knowing him, being connected to him in any way, could that bring a similar fate to the rest of all of them? Of course they were afraid. Who wouldn't be? Knowing that the disciples' world had been turned upside down, that they were in fear and feeling chaos and feeling the loss of someone they loved dearly on three separate occasions, Jesus appears to them and his words to them are this, peace be with you. What true peace his appearance must have given the disciples after so much they had been through, after so much they had witnessed. Here he was keeping his words. The peace of his presence brings peace to a lot of our hearts. Not in the same way, because no, we don't get to see him physically like they did. Not yet anyway. Now, as I said before service started, poor Thomas. And I say that because he gets a really, really bad rap, at least in my opinion. Because we always hear him being called and referred to as Doubting Thomas. But we all doubt. We all sometimes wonder or we feel, is God punishing me? Is God angry with me? Is God really there at all? You see, you've got to remember that Thomas was the only guy that wasn't there when the other 10 disciples who were remaining saw Jesus. And he declares, much like a little kid, maybe not so much like a little kid, maybe like any of us would. Well, unless I see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side and put my finger in the wounds, I'm not going to believe. I won't do it unless I get the proof that I want. And then how does the Lord respond to Thomas? He appears again and uses that phrase, peace be with you. Constantly calming hearts whenever he appears. Then he shows Thomas what he demanded. The holes in his hands and the holes in his side lets him put his finger into the wounds. And then you have that wonderful, beautiful confession, my Lord and my God. Now, let me say this. Jesus can say, stop doubting and believe. But I think when we take that approach, we have to step very softly because faith itself is a gift. We cannot command others to believe. Have you ever tried to tell someone or order someone to believe what you believe? And if you did, how did that work out for you? Proof of life. That's what the 10 disciples got. That is what Thomas demanded in order to believe that the Lord had in fact kept his word 
to return. And he didn't return from an island. He didn't return from a vacation or some hiatus or sabbatical. He returned from death. And Jesus tells Thomas, you've believed because you've seen. I've given you proof. I've presented you evidence. You demanded this to believe, and this is what I've given you. But then he says, blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And that's each and every one of us sitting here right now. That's every Christian around the world, the body of Christ. We all believe through faith. Not because we sat in some courtroom where evidence of Jesus, his resurrection was presented to us in a manner where we're like, oh yeah, now I believe. Yeah, we have apologetics, which if you don't know what it means, it's kind of a fancy word for teaching the facts that support the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as it's presented in scripture. We do have that. And in Paul's reading today, in his, Paul, his writing that we read in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about the witnesses that saw Jesus alive. But that's not what puts faith in our hearts. You think of, well, I call it a little kid's song, but it's a great song for all of us. You know, little kids, when we sing, or when we sing it, we don't sing, yes, Jesus loves me because someone showed me proof. No, we say because the Bible tells me so. Now that, that doesn't convince everybody, but God and his power and his spirit do work through his word. They work and he works through witness of other people. But it's faith. It's not about evidence. That's not what brings us to belief. And that's not what gets us through. I don't want you to think about the times that we all doubt. Each and every one of us. We desire to have proof. We desire to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is the case. And I want you to think about the situation Thomas is in. They're in fear. Are they going to be arrested and executed because of their connection with Jesus? So I want to know this guy really does have the power of life and death like he told us he did. In our times that we doubt, I don't remember this, but um, the first thing that I did when I woke up out of my coma after having that heart attack was ask for Pastor Dan to come give me confession and absolution. I don't remember that. And the funny thing about that, I couldn't articulate another thing. I couldn't, I've got some pictures of things that I wrote and drew and it looks like a two-year-old drew them. I couldn't talk, I couldn't remember my last name, but yet that's the first thing I asked for. Because I think when you are facing something that might lead you right into the next life immediately, you start to think, is it really true? Am I really going to heaven? Is there really a heaven? And it makes me think about the serpent in the garden. Did God really say? That really creates doubt in your heart 
in, in your mind. And then there are those that desire that proof. They, they see things like the books and accounts of like heaven is for real, the account of that, that little boy that saw Jesus after his appendix burst and his heart stopped. And people love experiences like that. They love reading about them and then they desire to have them for themselves because that way they know for sure and their faith won't ever be shaken again. But it doesn't really work like that. But remember how the end of the gospel for today reads. These are written that you may believe. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. The peace of God truly does surpass all understanding. When we lose a loved one, when maybe we're faced with the end of our own earthly life, when we feel pain, when we go through times that hard times and pain and troubles that just never seem to end, when we lose people, yeah, we miss them terribly. And sometimes that pain is unbearable. And then we doubt. But as St. Paul writes, we don't grieve like those who have no hope because we know that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We know that in our hearts, it's in there somewhere. Because he said, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, we're to be pitied beyond all men. But he has been raised from the dead and he will return again to take us to be in his father's house, in our father's house. Why? Because we lived a good life and we're obedient? No. If last week, Holy Week taught us anything is we don't have anything to offer God. He gives it all to us. It's all about mercy. It's all about grace and it's all about forgiveness. We trust God, not fully, not completely, but we trust God, we believe he's there, even when it hurts, even when we doubt, even in the darkest of times, faith somehow in our lives still rears its head, even in the hope, most hopeless of times and the most painful of times, I, we can feel God's presence, if even it's just a little bit. What's that look like? This, is how I can paint a picture for you about how that made me feel, about what God's presence looks like through your life, through pain to the end of your life. Um, if you've ever seen, I'm sure most of you in here have seen the 10 Commandments with Charlton Heston. Um, they made a movie uh, about the Exodus and uh, about the Israelites escaping Egypt called Exodus, Gods and Kings. And that was made in 2014. And like every other film um, that's made about scripture, it takes creative liberties. I liked the way it portrayed some of the things. I have, my best friend watched it and he said, this is trash. So I guess it's kind of about taste. But 
Christian Bale plays Moses. And the producer of the film somehow wanted to manifest God as something that you could look at, not just a voice in a burning bush. So he made God in the form in the movie of like a 10 year old kid. And of course, you know, Moses and God went back and forth and back and forth. Moses didn't wanna do what God asked him to do. But I remember this, this is from scripture. When God, when he first encounters God in the burning bush, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And the funny thing about that is all those guys are dead. But we know God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So this little kid that's supposed to personify God in the film is with Moses, brings the plagues, parts the Red Sea, destroys Pharaoh's army, leads them into the desert, was with them through all their hardships. And at the very end of the film, Moses is riding in this cart with the 10 commandments and he's old and, and you can just tell by the scene and the way it looks and the way it's set up that he's about to die. Even though the Bible tells us that at 120 years old, Moses was about to die, but he hadn't lost any strength and his eyes were perfect. But you could just tell that in this scene, it was the end of Moses's life. And he peeks out the side of this cart and there is what's supposed to be God walking next to him. And this kid just looks at him and he smiles and nods. And that just gave me the feeling that this same God that was with all the Israelites through all the troubles that they had being enslaved by the Egyptians, through all the pain it took to get them out into the, into the wilderness, out of the hands of Pharaoh. And now Moses, through everything he faced in life, that same God that walked with him every step of the way, through the pain, through the doubts, through the hardships, and now that he was gonna close his eyes to this life, that same God was walking with him through this life and because of Jesus into the next. And you could just see the look on his face was one of, what is there to be afraid of? As long as God walks next to me, I have nothing to fear. And I think that is what our faith looks like. And I can't imagine there's not anybody in here that hasn't felt that presence of God next to them, at least at some point in their life. So in the name of that Jesus that returned from the dead and will return again, we can say he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And at this time, as we collect our offerings, we just want to remind you how grateful and thankful we are for your givings. Crowned with glory now 
The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at His feet we bow. The One who wore our sin and shame. Now robed in majesty. The Now shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory.
Heavenly Father, you have promised to always listen to our prayers, but yet you do not give as the world gives. We bring before you this morning our joys and concerns, our pains, sorrows, and thankfulness. We ask you to be with us in times that we doubt. We don't have perfect faith, but like Thomas, many times we wonder and we doubt and we don't put our trust fully in you. And in those times, we just ask you to lift us up and walk beside us each day through the pain, through the joys, through this life and into the next. We ask you to be with those who are suffering, who are in pain in body, mind, and spirit, with those who are ill, facing surgery, or recovering from surgery. Especially in our prayers this morning, we remember Brianna Miller, Lori Heater, Terry Westby, and Julie Nemitz. We ask you to heal them in body, mind, and spirit according to your good and gracious will and be with the doctors and nurses and people that care for them. Lift them up and strengthen them according to your will. We give you thanks and praise for the life of Ted Dalkey. Ted was called to his heavenly home this past week. We just ask you to be with Jan, his wife and his family as they remember him and, as, and comfort them, with, and especially in this Easter season with the knowledge of the resurrection and the hope of the empty tomb, but ease their suffering and their grief and mourning as only you can. We give you thanks and praise for the gift of marriage for 57 years today for Roger and Marcy Denzen. We ask you to give them many more years together centered with their promises made to each other in your presence and all others who have taken vows and made promises to each other to keep you at the center of their lives. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that this day, Jensen Hippus will be baptized and called by name through the waters of holy baptism and your word into your kingdom. We ask you to be with Jensen and his mom and dad and his sponsors as they teach him your word your ways and may the spirit work through him to make him a strong disciple. We give you thanks, Lord, for our praise band that helps us make a joyful noise to you as they use their gifts of music to lift us up and to help us all sing our praises to you. We just ask you to be with us, continue to be with us during this joyful season, Lord, as we celebrate your resurrection and live in that hope each and every day. And we pray this all as you have taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our Lord Jesus Christ on the night on which he was betrayed took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat of it, all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and after he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and drink of it, all of you. This is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. 
for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with all of you. And at this moment, take, take a moment to share God's peace with those around you.
I invite you to rise. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul into life everlasting. Depart in peace. Bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come. In your son's body and blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. Help us to live lives of thanksgiving, not in order to earn anything, but in thankfulness for what we have already received through your mercy and through what your son did on the cross and help us to be thankful and live our lives to show that each and every day. And in his name we pray, amen. Church, let's give it up for the Lord because it really was a glorious day when he rose from the grave, all right? Let's clap. I was buried. My shame. Who could carry that kind away? It was my tomb till I made.